Have you ever noticed that sometimes you have a story in the back of your mind that just keeps coming out, even when you're talking about something completely different? N.T. Wright shares this example. Imagine you've come back from work and the train has been late again. You stood for half an hour on the station platform, you're getting cold, you're getting cross. Then when it arrived, it was so full of people, you had to stand uncomfortably all the way home. But when you tell your family about the trip, you find you're also telling them a larger story. Everybody knows that the trains aren't running properly because the present government has, has allowed them to get worse and worse so that they'll have an excuse to introduce a new scheme of their own. But there's an election coming, so you'll be able to vote out this government and put in another one that might at last get you a decent train service. So as you talk about your anger over this evening's train ride, you're also talking about your anger with the present government. And as you talk about how things could be better with the train you normally catch, you're also talking about how good things are going to be with the new government. You see, there's a larger framework, there's a larger story within which our smaller stories become more interesting and more important. Now, we haven't heard anything like that or seen that in the news, have we? All of our smaller stories playing a part in this grand narrative? Man, there is a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot of pain, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of fighting and divisiveness. There's a lot of brokenness. Tim Keller, a pastor who used to pastor down in New York City, once said, we are exposed to so much brokenness in the city. We must constantly expose our hearts and our minds to beauty. <sighs> Has it ever occurred to you to use beauty as a form of resistance? To meet the brokenness, the pain and the sorrow with beauty. You see, it's easy to see and name and complain about all the ugly bits happening around us, but have you taken any time this week to notice the beauty that surrounds you? What you get to do, what you get to lean into and appreciate. Madre and I, she shared in our service last week and we were chatting earlier this week, after she made a post about her son starting online school. And of course, these are not easy times. This is not an ideal situation, but listen to one of her comments. So I, I saw that they were starting their day and I just said, hey, know that I'm praying for you. And she said, thanks so much. She's like, Guhan and I actually got to start the day in prayer together. Oh, how awesome is that? It's beautiful, isn't it? But sometimes in the hustle and bustle and the craziness of the season, we forget to slow down and focus on what truly matters, what's really important to see the beauty that surrounds us and getting to take some time to just meet with our kids in the morning and say, let's give this day to God, man. Last week, Alex shared a powerful message with us rooted in Isaiah 43 verse 19 that says, be alert, be present. I am doing a new thing. It's bursting forth. Don't you see it? 
And I love this. I'm doing a new thing. Do you not see it? Do you not see the potential in what I'm doing? Do you not see the beauty in what I'm doing? Do you not see the opportunity in what I'm doing? So tonight, I want to invite you to take a moment to see and to seize the opportunity in what God is doing. So let me remind you, this is not about us. This is all about the work of God and what he is doing in and through us. You see, the moment we begin looking to ourselves, it keeps us from the very thing that can actually heal us, that can transform us, that can set us free. Because having the world revolve around us is the very thing that becomes our undoing. It's unbearable in the end. And this is why Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. Because Jesus always knows what's best for us. No matter how deep you might be in your hurts, your hangups, your habits, the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to awaken you, to transform you, and to set you free. God says, I am doing a new thing. Don't you see it? There is newness. There is hope, radical hope. And there is opportunity before us. And what I find even more incredible is that God had actually put this sermon series on my heart, All Things New, before I even knew what Alex was going to be speaking on last week. So when she shared her video with me and I watched it, I was like, this is incredible. This is what God had been working in my heart, which again reminded me, God is at work. It's not my ingenuity, her ingenuity. God's bringing all things together. But are we paying attention? Are you paying attention to where God is at work in your life today? So I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians. Our reading today comes from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And the reason I invite you to open your Bibles is because I think that if we get into the habit of opening our Bibles on the weekend during the service, when we have an opportunity to engage with it, then you'll be more likely to open it up Monday through Friday throughout the week. So turn with me now to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be reading just two verses. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 9 through 10 it says, God made known to us the mystery of God's will according to God's good pleasure, which God purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Did you catch that? Bring unity to all things? All things? This word in Greek, for any Greek buffs out there, is simply pass. And it literally translates to all things. It's just all, every. So in this context, it's 
all things. But of course, there's more to this passage than that little word. According to the writer Paul, God is doing something through Jesus Christ. Something involving all things. Because it brings God pleasure. God is a pleasure seeker. That's what this is all according to. God's pleasure. Now, when you hear the word God, do you immediately think of pleasure? Because that's what's driving Paul's idea here. The thing that Paul is trying to communicate is that what God does is for God's pleasure. So, what is God doing in Christ? Well, it says to bring unity. In other translations, it's to sum up, to gather up, to recapitulate, to bring to a head. And the Greek word here is anakephelosisthai. Whew! Now I'm getting a lot of this material from the book, What is the Bible? But now talk about a word. This is the only place it occurs in the Bible, and you can crush your friends and scrabble with it. Boom. <laughs> now, whew, Anna means again, and kefele means head. So, Anna kefelosisthai is to bring things together under one head. So, Sometimes this word is translated recapitulate. And another word for recapitulate is to retell. There's a story that's being told a certain way from a certain perspective through a certain lens, but then you retell it. You recapitulate it. You retell it a different way. And what's fascinating is when you retell a story, you don't usually remove the nasty bits or the unfortunate events. You include them. But in retelling things, they appear in a new light. They are what they are. And yet, when they're retold, they take on new meaning and weight and perspective, depending on how you want to to communicate what you're wanting to emphasize. Now, I'm not sure if I've ever shared this story before, but Amanda and I's first date could not have gone more wrong if we tried. <laughs> we started dating when we were both out in British Columbia studying at Trinity Western, and Amanda had grown up in the area. I had not. I was brand new to it, and I thought, you know what, where would you like to go? Show me around, because this is kind of your stomping ground. And she said, let's go to Victoria. And I said, great, let's go. So she told me how to get to the ferry, and I said, how long's the ferry? Ah, 30 minutes. So we just missed the one, so we waited a while, got on the next one. It was about dusk at this point, sun starting to set. We're just enjoying our time together. But after about, not just a half an hour, after about an hour, I realized, wait a second, um, there isn't land around. I thought you said this was a 30-minute ride. She said, maybe it's a bit longer. So I finally found someone who worked on the boat and said, hey, how long is the ferry ride? And he said, oh, it's, it's uh, two hours. 
two hours. Oh man. So then I asked Amanda, well, hopefully they have boats going all through the night. And she's like, yeah, they have a midnight one that brings cars back and perfect. And then the guy overheard and he said, uh, no, we, we don't have any more ferries. He's like, you're going to be lucky to catch the very last ferry when we get there. I'm like, what? So my mind starts racing. I'm like, what do I do? I'm going to be stuck on Vancouver Island with Amanda. It's our first date. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get two separate hotel rooms. Like just put her at ease, two separate hotel rooms. And she's like, I don't know about that. And I'm like, no, it's fine. It's separate. She's like, I need to talk to my dad. Now at this point, her family had moved to Ontario and we get off the boat and she pulls out the phone and we park on the side of the highway. And then she proceeds to ask, do you mind stepping outside of the car for a minute? Uh, we're on a highway. No thanks. So she calls her dad and she says, dad, Kevin has taken me to Victoria and he wants to get a hotel room. What? No, that is not, that is not what I said. And he's like, turn the car around. Get on that ferry. Do what you have to do to get on that ferry. And so needless to say, we turn the car around. We managed to get one of the last spots on the ferry returning home, but we just had to wait a bit for it. So we went to this little shack and bought a hot dog. And it was the worst hot dog I have ever had. Oh, it was nasty. I always talk about that being my most expensive hot dog ever. Man, now it's a fun story to tell about a worst first date, but was I laughing at the time and enjoying it? Not too much. I enjoyed Amanda's company, but was I smiling when she called her dad and said, Hey, Kev wants to take me to a hotel. <laughs> Not at all. And was I enjoying how much money I was spending to literally do nothing? No. <laughs> but these stories bring, a, they get a life of their own when you start telling them and retelling them time and time again. Perhaps for you, it was the, a terrible camping trip where you just got rained out and your tent flooded and your air mattress got a leak and you got sick afterwards and you're heaving chunks. See, you don't leave out the details, you accentuate them. Or perhaps it was when you lost your job and you go into the depth of the pain that that caused. You see, when you retell the story, you include all those details because in your retelling, they get transformed. In fact, you like to accentuate the nasty bits because that's what adds more color to it. It wasn't just a sprinkle when you were out camping. It was a downpour. It was raining cats and dogs, lightning striking, lighting up the forest. You see, what were once the worst parts of the story in your retelling become the best bits? So let's get back to Ephesians. According to Paul, God is retelling everything. The world is fractured and broken. Parts are lying scattered all over the place. And it brings God pleasure to bring it all back together in unity in Christ. All of it, all of history, 
all of everything every human has ever done? Why does Paul use this intentionally expansive word, pass? Why does he include heaven and earth? <coughs> Why didn't he put some boundaries on it? Why didn't he say religious things or Jewish things or redeemed things or good things that deserve it? Why is it so blatantly inclusive? Why is he so clear and insistent that nothing is left out of this? That Jesus is bringing all things together. That God is up to this work in the world that is bringing him so much pleasure. So with those questions in mind, notice what Peter says in Acts chapter 3. Until the time comes for God to restore everything. And Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, God was pleased, and through Jesus, to reconcile to God all things. There's that password again. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And here's Jesus in Matthew chapter 19. Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things. Did you catch it? Retelling, restoring, reconciling, renewing. What is this? What are they talking about? And why do they keep using this all things phrase? Why do they leave it so purposely vast and inclusive? Restoring, reconciling, renewing. They're consistent and persistent in their claims that what God is up to in the world involves putting everything back together as it should be. Your broken heart, all things. Poverty, all things. Racism, all things. Fractured relationships, all things. All things, all things, all things, all things. According to Paul, this is what brings God pleasure. This is what God is up to in the world. This is what God is doing right now. So what about your story? Where you are right now or where you've been, can it be retold? I know for those of us in Ontario, we're back in another provincial lockdown. And it feels like God may not be present. He might be absent. So next week, we're going to be looking at doubt. But get this. Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. Talk about a lockdown, right? So, can all of the various things that have happened to you and all the things that you've done that you'd prefer to never think about again and the embarrassing parts and the painful parts, can all of it be retold in such a way that the worst parts end up becoming the most powerful, poignant, and beautiful parts? And if that's possible for your story, is it possible for the history of the world? 
Can everything eventually be retold in such a way that the worst parts, wars and disease and oppression and on and on, are included and somehow brought to a unity in Christ? This verse is a claim. It's a statement. It's an announcement. But you can also read it like a question, just like we did. It's a massive question about what we believe is actually happening in human history. And hidden within this question is another question. Do you believe this is happening? And hidden within that question is another question. What would it look like to live like this is true? And then within that question is another question. Would living like that make your life better? I've said it before. We don't just exist to make Jesus known and that's the end of things. Go home, do your thing, have your fun, come back next weekend. No, no, no. We exist to make Jesus known so that lives and our communities will be transformed. We follow Jesus as a way of life and we get to witness this transformation firsthand in us and in the lives of those around us. Man, it's a beautiful thing to be part of and to live this way, that God is at work bringing all things together in unity under Jesus. Do you see how alive these passages are? They make claims and they give hints and they lead to possibilities and opportunities and sometimes in such a simple way, bringing unity to all things. When reading our Bibles, most of us probably skim right over that, wondering, what's the author talking about? Let's get to something that's a little more understandable. But when we slow down, when we focus, when we pay attention, we begin to see that the Bible is way more profound and provocative than we often give it credit. I am doing a new thing. Do you see it? Do you see the opportunity before you to make Jesus known? Let me ask, what is one way that you can make Jesus known this week? In your home? At work? During school? In your extended family? There are a million ways that we can make Jesus known. But how can you make him known in one way this week? What's your next step that you're going to take? Now you might be thinking, well, I do the weekend stuff. I give to the church. I come to church. But we at The Well would love for you to make Jesus known Monday through Friday as much as you do on Saturday or Sunday. Here at The Well, it's our desire to make Jesus known wherever we go and whatever we're doing. God is bringing all things together in unity under Jesus Christ. So let's pray and ask God for his help as we prepare for the week ahead. Heavenly Father, thank you 
for Jesus. And thank you for the work that he is doing, renewing, redeeming, reconciling, and restoring all things under his name. Jesus, help us with one way to make you known this week. Help us exhibit the love of Jesus in our home, in our workplaces, in our classrooms, and help us live in such a way that when people encounter us, they meet you. God, may we not be so quick to rush from one thing to the next, but may we slow down and see the beauty that surrounds us. You are doing a new thing. You are making all things new. Help us to see it as we follow you each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.